So, Regina Lee is out of place. To figure out who that was over there. Sweet little lies. Sweet little lies. We'll focus this evening on the lies that the devil tells our children and our young people. The devil is a very deceptive person. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 says he seeks to blind the minds of the unbelieving. People are unbelieving because they're being blinded by the devil and he wants to keep it that way. If we get the idea that the devil is going to play fair and say to himself and say to us, that I'll let your little children get to a certain age and then I'll start working on them, then we do not understand Satan. It is very true. He is as a roaring lion. A roaring lion who is hungry, doesn't care how tall, how long his prey has been on the earth. If he's hungry, he's going after his prey. Satan is going after our little children and our young folks. And we want to notice a few lies that the culture Satan is bringing to our children. And if we don't step in, many children will believe these lies. So lie number one, if I feel it, it must be true. Lie number one, if I feel it, it must be true. This makes things very personal, doesn't it? And that's part of the lie. That's part of the falsehood. Because what Satan wants us to believe is that what is true for me may not be true for you. Satan's lie is that truth is not true for everyone. And our little ones are hearing this and it may be shocking to us how many absorb that and never say anything about it. There was a religious survey done just a, a while back among religious people who claim an association with Jesus. And the first question in the survey was, do you believe in truth? And the majority of them answered yes. The follow-up question was this, do you think it's right to try to persuade people to believe the truth and the majority of the same people, the majority of the answers were no. They believe that there is truth, but they're not so sure that that truth is true for other people. What are we to do 
about this. First of all, warn our little ones about their feelings. Their feelings. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Warn them about their feelings. Feelings are not a reliable guide. And say this to your children over and over again, and that is, we do not come to church. We do not come to church. We do not follow Christ because of how He makes me feel. But rather, we follow Him because He is the truth. John 14, 6. And then we need to define truth with our little ones. Here's a simple definition. Truth is what is real, and God tells us what is real. Truth is what is real, and God tells us what is real. John 17, 17, Jesus, as he's praying, he prays for his disciples, and he says, Sanctify them, Father, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. So simple for our little ones to memorize that. Truth is what is real, and God tells us what is real. And then add this, the opposite of truth is a lie. And Paul relates to us in Romans 1 and 25 that many of the Gentiles had, ex had exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And then... Somewhere along the line, we must share with our, our young folks and share with each other that yes, if truth is for one, it is for everyone. If truth is for one person, it's for everybody. We mentioned Jesus' prayer this morning from John 17, 20 and 21. And he prayed for those who would believe upon him that they all may be one, that the world might believe that thou hast sent me. That's the intentions of Jesus coming to the earth. That's the intentions of Jesus bringing his truth to the earth is so that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Just glancing at the book of Acts, you see in Acts chapter 2, the same plan of salvation is given to the Jews on the day of Pentecost as was given to the Corinthians in Acts 18 or to Lydia and at 16, or to the jailer and at 16, etc., etc. In Acts 18, verse 8, the, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. You see, the truth is not just for one, it is for everyone. And then you can just, with your kids, you can play a little treasure hunt game. Treasure hunt, scavenger hunt, treasure hunt. Okay. Give to one of the kids, give them the true directions of how to find the treasure, and then also give to another some false directions. And then after that has gone on for a little bit, then discuss that. Discuss especially those false directions. Okay. And ask your children, if you had 
just sat down with those false directions and just sincerely felt good about those false directions, would that have led you to the treasure hunt? Would that have led you to the treasure? If you had just made yourself really sincere about these false directions to the treasure, would that have led you to the treasure? And so line number one is, if I feel it, it must be true. Line number two is, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. That's what the devil wants us to swallow. And it comes out like this. Uh, just be true to you. Just be true to you. You do you. You do you. And if you have a dream, then you need to chase that dream. Just follow your heart. Well, you don't need me to tell you what Jeremiah says about this in Jeremiah 17. But it's good to make sure we got it marked and ready to use with our grandkids. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and it is exceedingly corrupt. Who can know it? I the Lord, I search the mind, I try the heart even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And so along with number one, about warning about the feelings, number two, we must see that the heart is deceitful. One little boy got it. He, he said, oh, I see how this is. If my heart tells me that I want a new video game, and my dad's heart tells him, that I do not need a new video game, then that is going to be right because God set him over the house. And that's exactly right. One little boy did get it clearly. We can also do this with kids. We can say, okay, think about times when you're frustrated and when you're angry. What does your heart tell you to do? What does your heart tell you? Does your heart sometimes tell you to to hit somebody or shove somebody or kick somebody or call somebody a mean name? Yes, it does. Well, that shows you you just can't follow your heart. You gotta follow God's truth, that God's word is truth. And in that word, we find the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self-control, you see. It's so important for us to teach our little ones about self-control. Is this right or not? Brother Roger, is this, this good stuff so far? Line number two is just follow your heart. And how often we hear this in TV shows and cartoons and our kids will swallow this. Lie number three is love affirms me. That is love. Love is love. So Whatever I think or feel or say or do, because there is love, then I am just fine and dandy. That's what it means when we say love affirms me. Love out here in society is being defined as approving of whatever a person thinks or feels or says or does 
And then affirming that was by saying, you are okay and you are just fine and dandy. Love. And of course, today's love has been expanded even further. The lie of love has been expanded even further. Today, it will not do, according to our society, it will not do for us to just simply approve of others' actions. We've got to celebrate it with them, right? We've got to celebrate it, okay? And so they call upon us to celebrate their new view of sexuality or their, their new gender view or their new, new use of pronouns. We want you to celebrate this with, I want you to celebrate my choice of marriage, okay? Not getting too far from the church here, are we? So I want you, it's not good enough now just to approve of your choices, but if you don't celebrate with me, then you're not loving. Isn't that how it goes? Isn't that, isn't that what has been pushed down upon us? Absolutely. If I make this choice, I expect you to celebrate with me on this. And if you don't, then what kind of person are you? You must not be following Christ. Well, from the Bible we see, that the highest form of love is first allegiance to God and then sacrificial love for other people and then even challenging people to do better. Yeah, that's part of love. That's part of love. Well, we know Jesus teaches us in Matthew 22 and 37 we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto that to love your neighbor as yourself. Our allegiance is first to God. To God. People have gotten that confused. First to God. My loyalty is first to God. Worship Him. Serve Him. Do as He directs. My first allegiance is not to somebody else, but to God. And then as I become more like God, I find out about sacrificial loving for somebody else. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 6 says that love rejoices in the truth. Look at there. Love rejoices in the truth. That's what real love is. So you look to the Bible. We teach our little ones about Bible love. That's the highest form of love on earth. And yes, Challenging others to do right and follow God is the loving thing to do. You remember Mark chapter 10. You remember Jesus and the rich young ruler. You remember how that it says there that Jesus looked upon him and loved him. And then he said, then he said, go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. He said, one thing you lack. Now, Jesus, are you being loving there? You're telling this fella who's been keeping the commandments, he's a pretty good fella, and he's even got a lot of money. Are you telling him he lacks something? He's missing something in his life? How is that loving? Well, Jesus, it says, he loved him. And then he told him, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. That's the highest form of love. If we're not challenging our folks to grow and be better, we're not really loving. And before we leave this idea, think about not only the highest form of love, but the highest form of communication is to ask questions. 
ask questions. The best question to teach your kids nowadays to ask is for them to be able to ask someone, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And they say, you're not loving. Well, tell me what you mean by love. Now you're into a discussion. Okay. Tell me what you mean by love. Someone says to you, well, I don't believe in God. Then ask them, what do you mean by that? And then follow up, follow up like this. Say, say to them, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And then I'll tell you about the God I do believe in. Most people are way off on what the Bible actually says about God. They have, they have taken their concept about God from headlines and from what other people have posted or said. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by love? What do you mean by truth? And so line number three is love affirms everything you do. It's such a lie. Such a lie. Line number four is that faith is the opposite of knowledge. Faith is the opposite of knowledge. It's line number four from Satan to our children. Faith is the opposite of knowledge. Faith is defined out here in the, in the world as wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. You might see something like this in Hobby Lobby. With, if you have faith, then all things are possible. Okay. Wishful thinking, wishful thinking, wishful thinking. But with our children and grandchildren and our young people, we need to let them know that the choice is clear. Present to them the clear choice. It's either an empty faith, an empty life, or an evidence-based faith. An evidence-based faith. And that's what the Bible teaches, an evidence-based faith. And you recall Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. A great illustration of that is, is Hebrews 11 and verse 4 and Genesis chapter 4. Hebrews 11, 4 says that by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Faith made all the difference there. Okay. But how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing God. So obviously when you go back to Genesis 4, what had happened? Well, Abel listened to God. And was able to hear that God wanted for his sacrifice a, a choice from the flocks. From the flocks. Cain brought from the fields. But God wanted from the flock. And Abel gave, what, gave God what he wanted because he listened and he acted on faith. Cain somewhere along the way did not listen. Did not take it seriously. Faith is based on what is said. It's based on evidence of what God has said. Notice in Luke chapter 8, 11 and 12, as Jesus explains to us the parable of the sower, he says, now the seed that falls by the wayside, this represents whenever God's word is heard by someone. And then the first thing you know, Satan comes and takes that word out of a person's heart lest they should believe and be saved. 
Now notice the process there very slowly and carefully. The process that leads to salvation is first hearing and then believing and then salvation. Satan knows that very well. So he works very hard to crowd that word out so that we won't believe and then end up uh, with salvation. Oftentimes kids swallow the idea that when you go to school, you turn your mind on. And when you come to church, you turn your mind off. Where do they get that idea? I don't believe they get it out of our Bible classes, but there are some, there are some congregations that approach Bible study just in that way. As one little boy summed it up, he was telling, telling another little boy, he says, I got church figured out. The little boy said, tell me what it's about. He said, the answer is Jesus, and then you get a prize. And from his little experience, that's all he knew about church. And if that's all they get at church, and if that's all they get at home, then faith will always be the opposite of knowledge, but it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a, it's a, it's a lie the devil enjoys telling. And he tells it often. And then line number five is told to our children, we are the products of blind evolutionary processes. In other words, life came to be from a, from a random chance happening and it came out of nothing. So how did life get here? How did everything, how did you get here? How did everything that you see, how did all that get here? Well, it came, it, it was made randomly and it was made from nothing. And children can see just right through this if we take the time with them. All you gotta do is have some, some Scrabble tiles. Just take your Scrabble tiles Form some words, form a sentence with it. Okay. And then get some more Scrabble tiles. You got your little one there. And just tell them, now, when I pour this bunch of tiles out of this can, the sentence is just going to make itself. It's just audit. And they said, okay, let's try it. Let's try that. And it doesn't work. And then you put them back in the can. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. Maybe it'll form a sentence this time all on its own. You try it again. Try it again. Try it 10, 15 times. Just have fun with it. You got some Legos. You got some Tinker Toys. Okay. Same ideas. Kids know that things just do not spring up out of, out of chaotic uh, mishap. Okay. They know that where there is design, there's the designer. And you can build some cool things with Tinker Toys. That was my toy when I was little. You can, you can build some great stuff with Tinker Toys. And then you can just, just say to a, to a child, now, that just happened on its own, didn't it? It just happened on its own. Nobody, nobody made that come up like that. And then such passages as Psalm 8 will make sense. Psalm 8, David said, toward the Lord, 
He said, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the sun, moon, and stars which thou hast ordained, I ask myself, what is man? That thou art mindful of him. Kids will understand Hebrews 3 and verse 4. Every house is built by someone, but he that built all things is God. And then line number 6. And I believe, I have not watched this movie, but I think the line is from Frozen number 2. You are the one you've been waiting for. I'm going to tell you, I've had a hard time getting through these lies. Okay. This may be the hardest one. You are the one you've been waiting for. What that tells our kids is that, that if you're ever going to be rescued, you've got to rescue yourself. You've got to rescue yourself. You are your own deliverer. Okay. There are problems out here. There are problems out here, but you have the answer within you. That's the lie. There are problems out here, but you have the answer within you. You are strong. One mom, she saw this written somewhere. Here's what was written. The words were written, simply said, you are enough. And she got so excited about that, that she reposted that. But before she posted it, she says, I love this. And then she did the quotations, you are enough. And then she said, hashtag truth. Okay. Now, this is when we gag. Okay. This is when you gag. This is, this is sickening. Okay. This is the very opposite of the gospel. Right. Because the gospel teaches us that we are sinners. And as such, we are in desperate need of help. And that Satan has broken us down. In Matthew 5, Jesus begins the Beatitudes by expressing these very ideas. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. All of that is to relate to us the fact that all of our pride should be gone in view of the fact that we are sinners. And so instead of being proud of who you are, you mourn because you sin. Instead of being proud, you're poor in spirit. You're not full of spirit. You're not full of yourself. You're poor in that regard. And that's why God himself, Jesus, came to die for us because of the state that we are in. We are in no way in a position to rescue ourselves. That doesn't mean we don't have any value. But the world tells us and tells our children, this is how you get your value. Okay, here's your confidence builders. Okay. They tell us we get our value by our looks 
and by our skills and by our personality and by our friends and by our possessions. Okay. If you've got a combination of that or one or two of those, then you can feel good about yourself. You can feel valuable. You are valued if you have these things. But that's not where we get our value. And oh, how our children need to know this right here. We are valued for two major reasons. Number one, we're made in the image of God. And number two, look at what God has done for each of us. Especially in sending his son to die for each of us. But before you get there, look at all the blessings that you enjoy. Physical and spiritual. And then come right back to the cross. Now, if a person cannot find their value in being made in the image of God and knowing that Jesus died, then they'll never find the true value of life. And so just quickly this evening, I wanted to mention this is a study really of truth. And I appreciate Aaron reading and leading these songs about truth, the word of truth, the Bible. We had a good study of the truth this morning in our Bible class, how we are to love the truth and know the truth and receive the truth, obey the truth, walk in step with the truth, speak the truth, and be willing to speak the truth even if it makes enemies still speak the truth. Regardless of what it costs you, you live and speak the truth. But... Satan comes behind all that and he sneaks in these little lies, not to our children, but I would dare say to you that a good majority of parents have swallowed these very same lies. And there are more, but we'll stop right here. I hope and pray this has been helpful and encouraging to us to be on guard against Satan, but to be more resilient and to be more dedicated to living God's truth. If you need to come home to God this very evening, please do so right now as we stand and sing this song.